Wow. Hello and welcome to the Abroad in Japan podcast, probably the best way of learning about life in Japan without actually being in Japan. I'm your host, Chris Broad, and we're joined this week by not Pete Donaldson. He's gone, ladies and gentlemen. He's gone forever, or he's gone for a week on a much-needed holiday. Um, Pete has not gone on a holiday the entire time that we've done this podcast, or he has gone lots of holidays, but somehow... We've never missed him. Um, he's always managed to record some shows. This time, for the first time in two years, he's off and I'm all alone. Except I'm not alone because I've got a special guest. Hello. And it's Charlotte <laughs> in Japan. How you doing? I'm good. Thanks for having me. I, I'm in Tokyo this week, ladies and gentlemen, and I heard Charlotte was around and I thought I'd exploit that. <laughs> and rather than just host the podcast alone or find another guest, I thought I'd get you on board. How do you feel about that? Uh, I'm excited. I've actually only ever done three other podcasts in my entire life. So I'm I'm getting into the swing of them. Getting into the swing of it. Yeah. It's, it's, um, it's a little bit different to doing a video. It's very different. We don't really edit this, so it's like oh basically God. just sitting down <laughs> in front of a microphone just talking for uh, a few hours. Right. So hopefully it'll be all right, though. You'll be fine. <laughs> but why are you in Tokyo? And actually, for listeners who don't know who you are, mm-hmm. and there's probably a few, because we have listeners on the Abroad in Japan podcast that don't even watch the Abroad in Japan channel. Really? So, yeah, they don't, they oh, don't wow. know what's going on. So who are you? you <laughs> introduce yourself sure. briefly. Uh, hi, I'm Sharla. I'm originally from Canada, but I've been living in Japan for about 15 years now. And I've had a YouTube channel for about nine of those. And yeah, you can find me at Charmeleon with an S on YouTube. I just make vlogs about my life. They're pretty chill. They're very different from Chris's videos. <laughs> I don't I don't cash in on Pokemon brand names for my <laughs> channel. What are you doing? I'm just jealous. <laughs> I, <laughs> I cashed in on my name. Yeah, my, my last name. name isn't that cool. So unfortunately, I couldn't do that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, I'm a, a full-time YouTuber. That's mainly what I do. Yeah, and we've known each other for, I'm going to say, six, six years. Six years would be my guess. We met at the Tokyo YouTube space for some sort of Halloween party, yes, I remember. Yes, you had eyeliner on. I did have eyeliner candy on. candy stuck to your shirt. I did have candy. I came as the candy man. <laughs> it took me a while to figure out what the hell you were. <laughs> I, the thing is, I hate making costumes or having fun in general. <laughs> to be fair, it was pretty creative. It was pretty good. Yeah. I went to Daiso in the run-up to going to the, to the party. <laughs> on the way to the party. On the way, and I spent like... <laughs> 2,000, 3,000 yen which is a lot of money at a 100 yen store like Daiso. It's a lot of candy. It's a lot of candy and I just stuck them to my clothes and that was it. I was the candy man which may or may not even be a real thing. Why the eyeliner? don't know. I thought I'd mix it up a bit. Because <laughs> otherwise it's just me with loads of candy stuck on me, isn't it? Fair enough. And fair that enough. isn't a costume. That's just a standard Friday night for me. That's a good point. And uh, by the end of the Halloween party in question most of my sweets had gone because people had taken them, right? So that's another benefit. Your costume gradually kind of disappears and fades with the night interesting what was your costume sailor moon sailor moon yeah wow you remember yeah it wasn't as good as as candy man was it it? pretty good nah (laughs) that wasn't and i don't i'm thankfully i don't think i've got the photos to uh oh i do ah crap 
Well, this will be going on Twitter later. Good you guys God. could just uh, yeah, find those on Twitter. Don't do that. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, check out Charlotte's channel, though, ladies and gentlemen, if you don't know who she is. And um, send in your questions as well, because Charlotte will be stepping in for Pete on Sunday as well. So send your questions to Podcast at gmail.com, and we'll answer uh, and send those questions and fire them towards Charlotte yeah. uh, on that episode. But uh, what are you doing in Tokyo? Why are you here? Um, I'm, I actually... Why are you here? I started a business a couple of weeks ago. You started a business and uh, my business partner lives down here in tokyo so i come down once a month what's uh, wait what is the business it's um a stationary subscription service are you plugging your business on my podcast it's neko neko post.com neko cat cat post (laughs) yeah Ah. yeah me and uh, my partner ushka are are both obsessed with cats right yeah. And what's in the box? Uh, <laughs> what's in the box? What's in the box? Seven. What's um, in the box? Is it the seven heads lot- of Brad Pitt's wife? <laughs> it's not. No oh heads God. are involved. It's lots of cat-themed stationery, basically. Oh, right. Yeah, I, I was kind of underwhelmed by the stationary subscription boxes that were available in Japan. So I figured I might as well try and make my own and include some of the things that I would have liked to see in them. Oh, cool. Um, and so far we've had a good response. People seem to really like them. So Can I get a subscription box? Do you like stationary? You bet I don't. <laughs> I do have a weird addiction to notepads, though. <laughs> we do have lots of notepads. I will I will spare a notepad for you. But that's pretty cool. I, I, I take my hat off to you. Not just a YouTuber. You're actually moving into the world of business. And I am. Stationary boxes. And how many uh, people have you got doing it? Or is it a secret? Working well, for no, us. Well, no, like, actually, how many people have signed it. up to it? Top secret information. Top secret information. <laughs> it's, but it's, a, it's a small company. Right. It's just me and Ushka doing it, so we do have a limit to the number of packages we can do at the moment. But hopefully we'll be able to expand in the future. Very good. Maybe I should start a subscription box. What would <laughs> I put in it? going to be? It would just be pictures of Pete Donaldson. Oh. <laughs> Every <laughs> month. Every month. Different get, pictures. Get a package filled with photos of Pete Donaldson. <laughs> what would you call it? Donnie's box. Donny box. Really creepy. That's Pete Donaldson's nickname. <laughs> uh, Donny box. That's shocking. Well, I'm in Tokyo. My my time in Tokyo isn't quite as exciting as yours. What are you doing? I oh, actually went out with a good friend, Victor. Frame mm. of travel. And uh, for those of you that haven't seen it yet, I made a little video. Oh, I saw that. Cyberpunky nighttime style. Shinjuku. Yeah, I. It's, it's everybody knows that I rage rave on about um, Blade Runner and how much I like kind of cyberpunk vibes. Yes. And I was out with Victor the other night and I had my camera. We were going to do some photos and I just started filming because it was raining and you know Tokyo in the rain is Mm. is magical and I wanted to exploit that and I patched all the footage together into a little sequence put some music in had some nice shots of Victor walking around and a lot of people thought it was me yeah I saw those comments and I watched it over trying to see if he looked anything like you and to be fair he kind of does (laughs) when you cover half half his face with a mask Victor's got much longer hair than I I do I can see why people were confused though it just showed me how people don't read the comments like I had a pinned comment saying thanks to Victor for being my model <laughs> and all the comments were underneath like oh you look different Chris why do you look different what's different uh, yeah nobody ever reads the comments they don't why do but, we bother but uh, it's uh, it's done well though and I, I'm just glad to have done it I've always wanted to do it mm. and it's kind of like a test run for doing something it was really good a bit more substantial um, and I'm also down planning my next journey across Japan journey across Japan too which you were on two years ago uh, next month right 
Has it been a year already? Two years. Oh, Christ. Oh, <laughs> your concept of time is slightly disturbing. It's just all over the place this year. Two years. Two years. My God. It's gone quick, isn't it? Are you going to ride a bicycle again? I am never going to ride a bicycle <laughs> ever again. I'm what will you be riding on this time? A motor car. <laughs> mo- I feel like the challenge has diminished a bit. Well, it's not a challenge. It's, we're focusing on... Um, the adventure. Fair enough. The adventure of travel. And where will you go this time? I feel like you covered the majority of Japan on your first trip. Um, so I'm grabbing Joey, the anime mm. man, oh, cool. and we're going around central Japan in search of Mount Fuji, which oh, you know, okay. of course, you were there two years ago when we tried to track down Mount Fuji and failed spectacularly. We did a test cycle, didn't we? Mm, I still haven't seen it clearly. I haven't been able to get a nice photo of Mount Fuji. It's ridiculous. I mean, ladies and gentlemen, both Sharla and I have climbed Mount Fuji. <laughs> You've done it twice. It. You've done uh, it twice. Twice, twice. Yeah. And we still haven't seen it properly. No. Or got a good angle of it up close. 15 years in Japan. No uh, sure. photo of Mount Fuji. Well, I'm going to do it for you and you can watch the video. <laughs> I really hope you get to see it this time. I it do. will be interesting to watch the adventure. It is a very costly project. <laughs> funded by Broad Japan. So I hope we see Mount Fuji. Otherwise, I'm going to be incredibly angry. Best of luck. Yes. but uh, So that's why I'm down. I'm planning that. Um, and I've also bought something that I wanted to buy for a long time. What is that? Something spectacular. And it actually ties in to Story of the Week, which is a segment at the start of each show where we read out a story, one of the stories you guys have sent in. And this one is from Zed from New York. Zed? It's just one letter, Zed. It's a cool name. Or Z. How would you it's pronounce it? Zed. Zed. Come on. Z. You're British. Right. It says, hi, guys. My name is Z. Zed. <laughs> my name is Zed. I'm a big fan of the podcast. I've been subscribed to the Born Japan channel for a few years now, and I follow the podcast now twice a week yay yay um this truly is the best way to learn more he's very nice about the podcast but he (laughs) says i had the pleasure of spending six months in japan niigata to be precise when i was in second grade about 20 years ago while my attendance at niigata shiritsu uchino elementary school was brief i nevertheless learned many things about japanese culture one thing that struck me though um was the culture of secondhand items in japan My family was not wealthy, so I used to scrounge around in the piles of old electronics people used to put out on sidewalks for recycling. To this day, I remember the joy of finding a fully functional television and handheld Dragon Ball Z gaming device in one of the piles. Jackpot! However, I noted that even families who were much better off than we were tended to use recycled items. Second-hand electronics were common in many homes, as were items like school bags. Even the wealthier parents would buy second-hand luxury bags, etc., Do people in Japan simply have a very good mindset when it comes to not wasting perfectly good items just because they're a little bit worn out? Have you noticed this in your interactions with Japanese people? Keep up the good work. Look forward to more interesting content. Best regards, Zed from New York. Um, Now, he's absolutely right. Um, Secondhand items in Japan, they are very good condition, right? You know that. People take really good care of their stuff. Do you know why that is? Do you have any ideas why? Um, I think it has something to do with Shintoism. Mm. I could be wrong. Like, I know people just like taking care of their stuff. I don't know if it has anything to do with religion, but I think there is a concept in Shintoism that every item has a soul. 
Yeah, you're right. I mean, I remember talking to Ryota about this. He said that uh, in Japan, when you're raising a kid, you teach them not to like kick the table or damage right. items because they'll be like, oh, you've hurt Mr. Table. Right. And it kind of, it, each item is embodied with some sort of soul and it's yeah. rooted in Shintoism, Buddhism. It's a nice idea. And it it's, is. And people do take care of things. You don't see people littering or treating things with disregard or just kicking things needlessly for fun. People take good care of things. Mm. And I was in Akihabara um, about two or three days ago in uh, Super Potato, which Pete and I often talk about, you know, the, the secondhand game, game, game shop. store. Have you been in there? I haven't. <gasps> no. It's the I best store it. in the world. <laughs> you can, but like, I went in there um, to look at some retro games for something I'm working on, a video, and I saw a perfect condition Game Boy. Wow. And it was original about Game Boy. An original Game Boy, 1989, um, my first ever console growing up as a kid. And it's I, older than you. It's older than me by one year. Yeah, <laughs> actually, it came out in 21st of April, 1989. Well, a year before you A year before born. my birthday. Really? A year before me. That's interesting. Yeah, that was released in Europe um, in late 1990. But uh, <laughs> that's, it, that's pretty cool. cool. And I but I love the Game Boy. Did you ever have one? Uh, no. <gasps> I think Game Boy Color was Game Boy my Color. first handheld device. Yeah. That was all the rage. I think the Color was more popular than the original. But anyway, I saw the Game Boy. And every time I go in Super Potato, which is like once every year or once every six months, I kind of reach out to buy one. And then I think, no, I'm not going to use it. I'm not going to play it. I can't justify it. Mm. At this time, I did. I saw a really good condition. And actually, the Game Boys, and there was about four or five there, priced according to their condition. The front one, mm. which was bright yellow, it looked like it had been dragged through a packet of Cheetos. It was bright ho- yellow? It was horrible. Ew. I don't know what had happened to it. And oh. It was like stained yellow, and it was unpleasant. And that was about 6,000 yen. And I sort of rummaged through the Game Boys until I got to the back, and I saw one for 8,000 yen, 2,000 yen more, about $20 more. Um, that was perfect Not condition. Yellow. Not yellow, <laughs> grey. It was, and I I snapped it up with two Mario games. Um, Mario, the original Mario that was released with the Game Boy, and ah, cool. Mario Six Rings or Six Golden Coins. Sorry, um, and it's been glorious. And though I haven't played on it as much as I'd like in the last few days, the idea is to feature it in some upcoming videos in a short film that I'm working on. Yeah, that's, like always, that's always a good excuse to buy something, isn't it? A ah, video. I'll like. use it in a video. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> that's why I need this $2,000 massage chair. A $2,000 massage <laughs> You have a $2,000 massage chair. I don't, but I'm considering it. Good God. Yeah, maybe one day. If Neko Neko posts, <laughs> takes <does> well. off, <laughs> who knows, one day you might get the massage chair of your dream. Um, dare to dream. But no, I, I'm looking forward to playing the Game Boy a bit more. Um, and it's just been nice to hold it in my hands. The screen is so small. I forgot how is small it? the screen is. Tiny. I haven't seen an original Game Boy since, yeah, I was a child. It's, well, it's got this... Um, the screen isn't even backlit, right? So you can't play it in the dark. You need to play oh, it no with way. good lighting. In a well-lit room. Yeah, you need to have this kind of wow. lighting. And um, But it's good. There's something cool about it. The buttons are very tactile. It just feels right in the hands. And uh, I love it. Yeah. And if any of you guys have got your own original Game Boy, let me know if there's any games you recommend. I need to try and pick up Bomberman. There are so many old games at the thrift stores. Like thousands of Game Boy games. Shouldn't be hard to find. Fingers crossed. Yeah, I have to get back down then. Check some out. But seeing as you're here, though, Charlotte, and you've now you've lived in Japan for fifteen years. Yeah, roughly something like that. Almost twice the length of time that I've been here. Really? Oh wow. And though I I've only had two jobs: once as an English teacher, and right. now as a YouTuber. Right. Is it a job being a YouTuber? 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 <laughs> I joke, person to ask. I joke I about it, but I do work job. bloody hard on it. Exactly. I do spend a lot of time on it. But, it's a cool job, but it's still a job. But you've had a lot of jobs in the time that you've been um, in. I've had several, yeah. How many? I started off as an English teacher. Um, then I went to university, finished my degree. And when I graduated, I got a job at a startup tech company in Tokyo. Right. Doing um, what? Um... Helping them with their YouTube channel, actually. <laughs> Naturally. Um, and their website. And after that, I started coaching actors on their English lines in movies, on movie sets. Like what? Like, um, say, Ishihara Satomi in Godzilla. She had lots of English lines. Her character spoke English. Wow. Um, on, so on Shin Godzilla, the Japanese Godzilla that came out in 2014 yeah, or 2012? Yeah. I can't remember. Um, we would get together and practice her lines together, and then I would show up on set and uh, tell her if she did a good job or not, tell the director that, yeah, that was a good take. You don't need to retake it. Wow, so the fate of the character's English <laughs> lived and died on you going, yeah, you got it right, or no, it's rubbish. It did. Luckily, they were all very good. They all did a great job, so... And which director did you work with? Um, I worked with Takashi Miike. Oh, well, he's which was pretty cool. legend. Yeah. Very cool guy. What's he like? I mean, his films, Audition, is one that, <laughs> he's probably his best known film, I'd say. Right. Uh, um, he's really chill. Su- super chill. It, he doesn't feel Japanese at all. I, I was really nervous to work with him, being such a big, famous director. Mm. But um, yeah, he was so kind and I had a lot of fun. Yeah, he was just really relaxed. Uh, everybody on set loved working with him. And uh, yeah, he just seemed to really love what he did. So it made everybody else feel the same. We all enjoyed going to work. And, so you've yeah. been an English teacher, a YouTuber, mm-hmm. a tech startup person, and you've, and you've, you've <laughs> been a dialogue coach. And a dialogue coach. That is such an interesting range of kind of jobs and things. Yeah, that kind of happens when you live in Japan. If you speak Japanese and English, um, that really allows you to work in so many different fields mm. that you wouldn't really imagine working in. I mean, your Japanese is very good, way, way beyond right. my level, and you've been speaking it for 20 A years. A long time. Yeah. Since you, before you came to Japan, you studied it, right? Yeah, I started in high school when I was 13 or 14. So, yeah, it's been like 20 years now. Good God. <laughs> I was really lucky. They had Japanese classes in my high school, so I had a, a good start. I wasn't that into it at the time. To be fair, but um, the four years I studied it in high school did give me a really good base for when I moved to Japan when I was 19. So I was very lucky. God, I mean, I wish I'd had that. <laughs> but you're absolutely right. I mean, I, from my perspective, you know, when I finished as an English teacher, and to be an English teacher in Japan, you don't really need Japanese. No. Uh, in fact, they encourage you often. They encourage you not to, to use not it. To, yeah, yeah. So you can actually talk to students more and very get true. the students using um, English. But. I didn't have many options after I left. My mm. level wasn't overly great. I famously failed the N2 exam. <laughs> I t- I, to be honest, I was very silly to try and take it as early as I did. It's quite tricky. It's- well, you need to know something like 10,000 words. Yeah, but it's like more than it's a Japanese language test. It's more of like a reading comprehension. Like, it's not about the Japanese language. They'll, they'll make you read a really long story or you'll mm. listen to it. You'll listen to it. And then they'll ask you a question about the very beginning of the story from 10 minutes ago. So what color shirt was that guy wearing <laughs> that we told you about 10 minutes ago? Memory test. It has nothing yeah. to do with Japanese. I mean, when I did it, I... 
I had the list. The listening bit was the bit that I found the most difficult. But some mm. f- bloody idiot two rows behind me, his phone went off. Oh no! His phone alarm or his like ringtone just went off the entire time, off. and he didn't reach in and turn it off because he didn't want to be identified. Uh. And literally, like the entire room was stopping the exam and looking around, seeing who it was. And my friend was in the room uh, near the guy, and I thought it might be my friend because he was only two or three <laughs> people away. Um, but they gave us the chance to redo it, um, oh, the gosh. listing, because this guy had sabotaged it for so many people. But I just couldn't was be that bothered. a good thing? Well, that I think it would. Oh, been, you didn't even bother. No, I just felt like uh, <laughs> I'm not going to pass this. It's so. not fun. It's not a fun test. But like, I mean, if. Japanese was important to me and what I mm-hmm. do in terms of needing it for qualifications. Mm-hmm. And I'd, I'd go back in and do it again. But for what I do and for getting by in daily life, I'm, exactly. I get by pretty well. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, that's that's an important point to those of you listening that want to live in Japan and have a lot of options available. Mm. Knowing the language will open up the doors to pretty much any field, right? Yes. Do you know what kind of jobs... Um, somebody criticised me recently because I sort of said that most foreigners living in Japan only teach English, right? Well, to and that, be fair, that's uh, what the majority. Well, to be of fair, like yeah, do. probably the vast majority do. But there are a lot of jobs, particularly in Tokyo, I think, that you can do if you aren't, um, you know, if even if you can't speak Japanese fluently. I know people working in the world of recruitment consulting. I know right. people working in IT, uh, in social media marketing. What other jobs do you think? Yeah, lots of social media jobs pop up um, tourism of course working for mm. companies like Gogo Nihon or something like that um, I feel like lots of the people that work here in the IT industry and in banking etc I feel like they kind of just got transferred here though yeah that's true they didn't really come to Japan looking for a job but the, I mean there are so there are a fair few jobs going but often more often than not they are in Tokyo right yeah yeah if you're uh, if you're just going to come here on a whim and search for mm. a job you don't want to start off in the countryside no uh, and teaching if, will probably be your only option in that case well certainly even, even in Sendai it's tricky to find a job mm. and you're in Morioka yeah right? it's even more Inaka which than is Sendai a sh- which is a shame really because I think the best place in Japan you know, there's not actually jobs going yeah, on right? outside of teaching English. It's true. Well, I started off in the Tokyo area, and um, I'm lucky that I could branch out back to the countryside. And where have you lived in your time in Japan? Um, I, li- I spent a lot of time in Chiba. That's where my university was. You poor person. <laughs> Can't stand Chiba. It has such a bad reputation. Land of nothing. Yes, that's a, that's a very accurate description. There are some really nice hiking spots. Um, however, yeah, it's a lot of nothing. But I did like where I lived. There were lots of really nice biking paths and trails, and I do like um, just kind of exploring the countryside. But um, after a while, I decided to move to Tokyo. So mm. I lived in Tokyo for two or three years, and I hated that. You hated Tokyo yeah, more could, than Chiba? Oh, yeah. That's I would, if I had to choose, I'd go back to Chiba. Good God. Um, it was just too crowded, and I really right. didn't like having to take the crowded trains every day. It was such a change from riding my bicycle around the rice fields to being in a packed train with a bunch of mm. sweaty salarymen. Well, I mean, we're in Tokyo now, and I, I can manage Tokyo in small bursts. I yeah. love coming down here for like seven to eight days max, and exactly. then after that I get kind of burnt out and exhausted mm-hmm. and I just don't yeah, try living here for three years yeah <laughs> don't think that'll be happening but no. to come from where I used to live in Yamagata to mm. Tokyo it always felt like night and day to be honest yeah um, and the sad thing is once pretty much all my friends that live in Tokyo and I don't know if it was like this when you were there 
I never actually leave Tokyo. They're like they once, don't. once a year they'll go off and leave Tokyo for yeah, a bit. Yeah, that's so true. But it's because it's so damn big, mm-hmm. and There's it's like so an ins- inescapable concrete jungle. In many ways, your experience in Japan is Tokyo yeah. for a lot of people living there, which is a shame because there's so much more of the country than Tokyo. Very but true. But most people don't find that out. Yeah. Um, but while you were here, I thought I'd fire 12 questions at you. 12 right. questions covering everything from living and working here, learning the language, um, your experiences traveling the country. I thought we'd have a, a wide range of questions <laughs> All that right. we can dive into, what get to know you, you a bit more and hear from your experiences. And you certainly have a few. Uh, the first question is, what is what are the things that have changed in the fifteen years um, in the fifteen mm. years that you've lived here? Mm. So you lo- you arrived here what year? <laughs> Don't make me do maths. Don't make me do two thousand five. I want to no. say three. I went back to Canada for a year and a half, right? And I was in Korea for a bit, so there's a couple of years in there. So about two thousand three ish. Good God, is and that right? What yeah. what are the key changes then? Since um, then? The big, honestly, the biggest one is television. Television. Um, you made a video about how Japanese television isn't that great, and <laughs> yeah, that's true. But when I moved here in the beginning, my first three years in Japan, I spent a lot of time watching TV because it was really good. It really? used to be really good and in really entertaining. There were lots of comedy competition shows where um like comedic groups that were just starting out would compete against each other and try to have like the funniest you know presentation or mm. manzai or whatever they're called um and they were just really good they were hilarious i watched a lot of that um talk shows were better i just feel like yeah your video is really accurate it's all kind of boiled down to people just eating food and saying it's umai that's like that's all that's on TV nowadays. Have, have it's you such a shame. have you been on Japanese TV yourself? Yes, unfortunately. What were you doing? Several times. Um, when I first started out my YouTube channel, I was only speaking in Japanese, and that mm. got the attention of some TV shows because there weren't very many foreigners speaking Japanese on YouTube. So I did get invited to be on television a few times. It was pretty exciting the first couple times, mm. um, and then I quickly grew to hate it. <laughs> Because they force you to say things. I yeah. oh, the worst one. I was on this show eating sushi because I had a viral video about eating sushi. Mm. So they took me to a sushi restaurant, and um, they wanted me to pretend like I couldn't read the menu. Really, like I couldn't understand the Japanese. I don't know why. And <laughs> they wanted ridiculous. me to like tone down my Japanese skills and speak with a really bad accent. Good God! Yeah, it was really annoying. That's a little bit cheeky. Yeah. Isn't it? So Imagine I've, like that. In like well, like British TV yeah, with a Japanese speak person, more of a Japanese like Ryotaro, and being like, no, no, speak, <laughs> speak more like this, so like, speak in like katakana right? Japanese. That's ridiculous. Yeah, it was pretty offensive. So I think that was my last time on TV. Actually, that really bothered me. Um, one really cool experience I had on TV. I was on a. Sh- a show um it was a competition for the person in japan who knew the most about hello kitty (laughs) god it was so random um i had a video up on youtube giving a tour of my room and i had a few hello kitty dolls right and i got contacted do you want to be on this competition tv show as like the biggest fan of hello kitty and honestly i didn't even like hello kitty that much but i was like how can you not like okay (laughs) but i was like i can't turn this down a japanese game show this is amazing so I just pretended like I really liked Hello Kitty and I went on the show and um, they had, I think, four or five other foreigners on there with me um, mm. and none of them could speak Japanese very well. I was the only one that could speak Japanese and they would ask 
the competition questions in Japanese. And of course, I would be the one who could answer them. <laughs> they would be like getting the translations whispered in their ear while I was already answering the question. So I got, I won every single question. Nice. Yeah, but it was like stupid. <laughs> I, felt, I felt really bad. <laughs> Does sound um, absolutely dreadful. Yeah, I won like a I won a gift certificate um, to the Hello Kitty theme park. Still haven't used it. That was but like ten years ago. <laughs> have you still got it? I've got it. Good God, I've got it. Give it to me and I'll burn it. <laughs> Very good. I mean, well, that, that's pretty much my experience with Japanese TV. Yeah, yeah I, I, but I remember thinking. I mean, everyone thinks it looks cool. But the reality is, is, is disappointing. Isn't well, it? I feel like the TV shows that make it overseas that people maybe come across on YouTube because they went viral or something. Mm. Like that one where they make things out of chocolate oh, that right. like, look eat, like doorknobs. Eat and the door handle. Yeah, like those are... If that was a Japanese TV Those are few and far show, between. <laughs> I would watch that every night. Um, but that's interesting. I, I wasn't expecting that. Okay, mm. um, second question. Is it safe... And this is a question we get mm-hmm. a lot from um, female listeners. Is it safe travelling alone as a girl in Japan? Um, yeah, I would say it's safe. You do have to be careful about um, sexual harassment. Have you experienced anything like that? Yeah, my first trip to Japan, actually. Um, right. Was that the only time? It was one, the only one that's very memorable was my first time in Japan when I was 17. I was on the train and somebody reached their hand up my skirt and grabbed my butt. What? Um, Couldn't see who it was because it was a packed train. But that that shocked me. I was not expecting that. (laughs) Nowadays, I feel like it's kind of a little more well known and people know to be careful. But at the time, this was like almost 20 years ago now. vlogs on youtube warning you about it weren't really a thing so i didn't expect it Mm. um but yeah that's definitely a problem here but other than those kind of instances on crowded trains Mm. uh, in general i feel very safe walking alone and traveling alone here right i wouldn't be worried that someone was going to like kidnap me or attack me or anything and the fact that something as terrible as that's only happened once Mm -hmm. in your 15 years of here yeah Kind of reassuring, I guess, but that's still pretty messed up. Yeah. And so, that sucks. But yeah, so... As be, long as you're careful in, in those kind of situations. Busy trains. And, yeah, mm. busy, crowded areas, you just uh, crowded streets, just anywhere where somebody could, like, touch you. Um, Rest assured, if someone touched me, I would break <laughs> their fingers. Um, if you could spend a week, question three, if you could spend a week relaxing anywhere in Japan, where would it be? And you've travelled the country Ooh, far and wide. Where it stands out? I've been everywhere except for Okinawa and I think mm. Gunma. Um, <laughs> one place I would like to explore more is probably Hiroshima. We popped down there for the journey across Japan. And that was kind of my first taste of the area. I'd never been to Hiroshima before. Really? Yeah. I don't know that. It was really pretty. Uh, it was just gorgeous. It was really tropical. I didn't expect it to be so tropical. The bright blue water and the islands and... Yeah, so I think I'd probably go back down to Hiroshima for and a the, week. And the inland sea of Japan. Yeah, it's gorgeous. Oh, that was one of the best days of the cycle. It, it really was. It and was so nice. To those of you who want to watch that, what was the video called? I think it was called like um, Japan's Inland Sea Paradise or something. Yes. Came out like two years ago. <laughs> but you'll see. I think Charles was in the thumbnail. But that was one of my favourite days of the trip. And I always, these days, I've been trying to encourage every traveller to yeah, Japan. Yeah, me too. I went to Japan. Go down and stores. do the Shimanami Kaido. Yeah, do the Shimanami <laughs> so Kaido. Good. Um, what tip do you have for people learning the language now you've Mm. pretty much mastered it you are i mean 
N1, probably. You could probably, probably do it. Probably. Um, do it. Yeah. And you've worked on films and all sorts. But, like, what tips do you have people learning the language um, for new folks? Well, the way beginners? I learned, I always just recommend people to use the way I learned. I really hate learning from books. So I mm. think I think there's two types of people. People that really enjoy studying from textbooks and people mm. that don't. Mm. I'm the other. Um, so what I did was kind of switched all my hobbies into Japanese mode. So I was playing lots of video games at the time. So I started playing Japanese video games instead, like Harvest Moon. I'd set my Animal Crossing to Japanese. Mm. Um, really simple games that had very like casual, everyday dialogue. And I kind of picked up a lot of words and phrases from those. Um, I wasn't a huge fan of anime, so I didn't really learn from that. I mm. felt like the games I played kind of gave a more realistic Japanese learning experience, well, whereas anime is a little more cartoony. Well, I know Pete, Pete Donaldson certainly cases. uses a lot of video games like, yeah, Does he? like Yakuza. <laughs> Yakuza, that's a great one to learn from. Yeah, he loves it. Yeah, I love that game as well. I played that a lot. Yeah, you can learn lots of really uh, good everyday conversation from video games. But basically use it practically. Yeah, so if you're into video games, um, if that's your hobby, then yeah, switch, try and play some Japanese ones, switch up the language settings uh, i would change the settings on my cell phone to japanese my computer i would change it to japanese just little things like that um kind of work it into your everyday routine i mean one way i did it when i got here was i remember putting my phone my, my mobile phone mm-hmm. into japanese mode yeah so and then the you see thing. it every day you're looking at it it was a little bit stressful at first but yeah. it definitely helped like looking at the things on screen every day yeah totally. you could always do that like if you are if you've learned a little bit of japanese already and you've got like an ipad or something Mm-hmm. or your phone put it into japanese and that could certainly help things yeah, yeah. that's a good idea um number five the one thing that you'd like all overseas travelers to know before coming here <laughs> um one thing that i actually struggled with recently this is really bad because my japanese is pretty good but there are some kanji that i just haven't come across so i don't know but some toilets in japan they want to get really fancy with them and instead of saying man and woman in the typical like onna otoko kanji that you guys probably learn in basic japanese they write it in these freaking like difficult kanji that mean I've had like that problem, yeah. gentlemen maybe if you were yeah. going to translate it into english and i couldn't figure out which one was man and which one was woman and, and that's worrying to... given your ability yeah. I, mean, I, I had the same problem um a few months ago <laughs> i don't know what the what the word was it was like i, I don't know how to say say it even it like, i don't know i don't know how to read it, it was like warrior or yeah, something for men so i feel like i should make a video about that because <laughs> that was something i struggled with very recently um, so complicated toilet kanji. Learn every single word there is for man and woman <laughs> before you come, so you won't struggle with the toilets. That is my one tip. Or indeed, onsen, hot springs. <laughs> yes, yeah. thank God. That's, that's never good. Uh, <laughs> question six: What's the hardest thing about living in Japan? Um, prop- in general, it's pretty, pretty chill. Um, I don't struggle much living here. Uh, I would say the hardest thing is finding an apartment, finding somebody that will accept a foreigner to rent an apartment mm. as someone who's not married to a Japanese person. It, right. It can be kind of hard. And indeed, I had that problem um, yeah. when I first moved to Sendai. I had a nice apartment lined up and mm. then they found out that I was not, right. of, not of this earth. Yeah. I was British, basically, and they were like, no. That happened with my current apartment. They oh, really? denied me when they found out I was a foreigner, and then I phoned them up and like begged them to at least let me come in for an interview. Mm. And they they finally agreed. No way. So you, you, just by turning up and being like, I yeah, can speak Japanese, they were like, yeah. As soon as they met me in person, and they were really happy to hear that I'd lived in Morioka before, mm. and by the end of the interview, they were selling me the apartment. 
apartment. <laughs> they were really trying to get me to rent it. That's so That's really kind of cool. I recommend going in person. Um, applying for things through email, you could probably have more chance of getting turned down as a foreigner. I wonder if if I'd gone to that property, because I, I did it like, <laughs> uh, by email, I think, or right. if I'd gone and, been, and, and, and yeah. spoken Japanese, would I have got it? Probably not. My skill level at Japanese back then was rubbish. <laughs> well, like, let's be fair. My hobby is <laughs> snowboard. My favourite food is ramen. <laughs> I like Japan. And the, <laughs> that would have been thrown out a bloody window. Um, what about uh, question number seven? The best and worst job that you've had in Japan, and you've certainly had a fair few. Um, yeah, I guess I told you about uh, the two that I would pick for those. The worst job was certainly the startup tech company. Was um, that? Uh, well, the hours were like 8 a.m. to 11 p.m. What? That's not even <laughs> a normal work schedule. Uh, it certainly wasn't in the contract. And I was getting paid, you know, quite a basic low wage mm. and no overtime. But it was like expected of everybody to stay there until 11 p.m. And you know what? As a startup company, um, I wouldn't have argued with that because it can be exciting starting up a business and there's a lot of work that needs to go into it. But the majority of the office, people would just sit around doing nothing because mm. they were waiting for the boss to go home first. And it just felt like such a waste of time. And I was also running my YouTube channel at the time. So to be sitting there in an office doing nothing, waiting for the boss to leave before me, just frustrated And if you'd gone home early, no well, what would have happened technically if you'd gone home like a normal um, time, 5 or 6pm? Well, I started doing it because I got so angry. I just left. Yeah. And everybody in the office just hated me because of it so it's it's interesting isn't it because I, luckily I worked at a school and the teachers were there till pretty late, often mm. 7, 8 p.m. And I just went normally. But they really did encourage it because it was because the JET program was a government run scheme. Mm. They didn't want to be seen to be exploiting people in that way, <laughs> as happens at most or Japanese companies. Right, and right. Uh, But it sounds like the peer pressure from your colleagues was like greater than the boss in some respects. Yeah, actually, the boss himself was pretty chill. Um, mm. But it's all the other workers that I guess they felt pressured to stay until 11. So, of course, I had to, too. That sucks. <laughs> yeah, so I quit after six months. Rightly so. And what about the best job you've, you've had in Japan? Oh, the, the dialogue coaching job on movie sets, Godzilla. for sure. Yeah, that was really cool. It really, like, threw me out of my comfort zone. Well, I haven't seen that Godzilla. So if I watch it now and I see a character speak English, <laughs> that is one of the people you trained. Yes. To yeah. speak immaculate English. English. It's not immaculate, but she tried her best. I, I will say she tried her very best. She's a very hard worker. And what was the English she had to work with like? It's quite complicated. Oh, all right. She has some really long like spiels and <laughs> she memorized them. She did a great job. She doesn't speak English. So to be able oh, to wow. memorize those very long Why long did they speeches, get her speaking English I don't if she doesn't know. speak English? I don't it's know. cool, isn't we it? We all wondered why. Right. <laughs> Weird thing. Yeah. Um, okay. What about the one thing Japan gets right that uh, your home country of Canada mm. does not? Um, one of my favorite things in Japan is my hot water pot. It's a what? It's a kettle right. that keeps the water at the perfect temperature for 
brewing a cup of tea. Ah, uh, yeah, I know. And you just push a button, and we had that at the water uh, comes my school. Out. It's so handy. Why doesn't Canada have this? So it's basically a kettle where you pour the hot water and mm-hmm. it boils, and then it just it keeps it at the perfect keeps, temperature, which doesn't require too much energy. Yeah, yeah, because it's it's kind of like a thermos. Mm, it's um, insulated. It yeah. So you don't have to keep boiling it over. Yeah, and, over. and that's, that's a there's a standard appliance in every Japanese home. So the idea being. If you want a cup of tea or mm-hmm. coffee, you mm-hmm. can just go and get the water any time yeah. it's already boiled. Exactly. Genius. Exactly. On the other flip side of that, uh-huh. what about the one thing Canada gets right that Japan doesn't? Um, sandwiches. Sandwiches? I'm... Didn't you build your entire channel around bread? <laughs> your first viral hit video was To be fair, okay, so Japan. Japan loves white bread. If you go to the grocery store, all you can buy is different types of white bread. That's true. Um... And at the time when I made that video, it was exciting because it's really good. Like um, my my parents are very call them health freaks. <laughs> and I, I had only eaten white bread maybe three times in my life when I was at my friend's house. So I came to Japan and the store only had white bread <laughs> and it was really good. It was really like chewy and moist. Right. So I got really excited about the quality of white bread in Japan and I made a video about it. But the sandwiches? But no, just now I'm just sick of the white bread. I just I want some rye. I want some whole wheat. So it's not sourdough. the sandwiches; it's the bread. Yeah, right. it's it's the la- well, the sandwiches suck too. Come Whoa. on, you've seen you've seen the sandwiches at the kombini. They egg, put, they the put egg, a little bit of filling. the egg sandwich at Seven Eleven is pretty spectacular. Yeah, a fluffy one egg. bite of it is until you get to the edges where they haven't put any filling. Well, what I will say is, outside of the fluffy, nice fluffy egg sandwich, mm-hmm. there isn't a whole lot to work with. No, They've got like some lacking. ham and cheese. It's a lettuce one at 7-Eleven. Yeah. Get the burrito or the family bar fried chicken. <laughs> what keeps you motivated as a YouTuber? Um, I would say just knowing that I encourage people to visit the countryside in Japan. I think I've had mm. like an effect on lots of people's itineraries for their Japan trips, which is pretty cool. I've gotten lots of comments to say like I, I ventured out to the north, the northern area of Japan on my trip because you made so many videos about it and I'm really glad I did. And yeah. yeah. Stuff like that is really cool. I, I, I absolutely I know that feeling. Um, mm. I, it's, it's a difficult thing to quantify, isn't it? How many people actually watch the videos and go somewhere. But I know we do get a lot of messages from people saying we went to somewhere like Hachinohe, mm-hmm. the city in Aomori, for the morning market that Ryota and I went to, or Nyokan. Um, it is cool. Like, it's nice to get people outside of Tokyo. Yeah, it's crazy to think you had that effect on someone's trip. It's cool. Um, what do you do outside of YouTube stuff to switch off, though? Outside of YouTube stuff... Um, I like to explore outside a lot. Like I mentioned mm. earlier, I just really like walking around outside because I do feel really safe walking alone at nighttime. Um, I go for lots of walks at night, just exploring the town. I live in Morioka, which is a relatively small town. It's got a population of about 400,000. So it's it's not a big city, mm. um, but there's lots to explore. Um, so yeah, it's like walking around or biking around, exploring the side streets. And I know what you mean about walking around at night. Like mm. I do the same thing certainly when I was a teacher I used to go like jogging at night down the side of a highway which is (laughs) really cool Um, but like yeah you don't have that voice in your head telling you to look over your shoulder in Japan that uh, you certainly get in places like London or the UK in general even in Canada yeah no that's that's probably one of my favourite things about the country but yeah no I completely agree walking exploring the countryside can't be beat and it's nice when uh, 
sometimes you get a bit overwhelmed in the world of social media, Twitter, Facebook, mm. YouTube, Instagram, all those things. It's nice to just put your phone down and disappear into the mountains. Oh, yeah. The countryside. Um, and finally, question number 12. What is your best memory of living in Japan? Or, or certainly a, best a very good memory. <laughs> I would say my best memories are probably from my first week here. The first time I ever went to Japan. Mm. I stayed in a homestay here in Morioka, actually, um, on a farmhouse with a family. Mum, dad, um, daughter, son, grandma, grandpa, the whole family. And I didn't speak any Japanese so it was it was quite the struggle. Um, had some issues with the homestay daughter. We got in some fights. <gasps> but, Why? <laughs> um, so I came with my high school class. It was a class trip. And uh, all the other students and their homestay partners, like the daughters and, and mm. sons and their families, would get together for barbecues and kind of like little outings. Mm. They'd, they'd go out. And I wanted to join. Um, but my the daughter in my homestay family wasn't friends with any of them, so she really didn't want to go. But I was like, oh, that's okay. You can just stay at home and I'll, I'll be back later. But then she started crying. Oh, God. Yeah, it was really bad. I felt really bad. Oh. <laughs> but I also really wanted to hang out with my friends. So for the majority of the trip, I didn't I didn't go. I didn't go to see my friends. I just stayed at home. But then the, the last like going away party, I was like, I'm going. I'm sorry. I gotta go. And she just cried and had oh like a little God. fit. Yeah. Um, but yeah. It, but <laughs> well, I'm not going to do it homestay now it's <laughs> no 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 like besides all that it was such a good experience it was just so interesting to live in a country for two weeks where you don't speak the language don't know anything about it all the food is brand new mm. everything was brand new at the time i didn't know anything about japan there weren't very many blogs online about it um so i didn't know what to expect so yeah it really made it like the most exciting two weeks ever um of my entire experience in japan up to date i would say just because everything was fresh and that would what year was that <laughs> I don't know. Before the internet. 2003-ish. Oh my god. No, this is I, I hadn't moved here at the I time. I don't think I was born then. Uh, this was just a high school trip. So yeah. 2001. <laughs> you were like an elementary. I was like 11 school. years old. Oh my wow. God. God. I mean that's interesting like I mean you you came to Japan for 2 weeks mm -hmm. and then I came with no, just came here yeah. for the first time and Moved lived here. here yeah. uh, but you're absolutely right. You always remember the first few weeks, don't you? When yeah. it's like, everything's a, do you too? Well, I certainly do. The whole kind of first year, particularly the first month or two, mm. it's it was both the most stressful and exciting exactly. like, month or so of my life. And I often revisit it. Just that sense of dread and panic and excitement. Yeah. Not knowing what was happening. I didn't know what was going on. Being ushered <laughs> yeah. into various rooms at the school to meet the principal <laughs> and the staff. I remember I had to do like a hello, welcome speech to all the teachers on my first day. In Japanese? Yeah. And it was like, it was really simple. It was like, my name's Chris. I'm rubbish at Japanese. Uh -huh. Nice to meet you. And that was it. And they were like, oh, gave a clap. And then that was it. We kicked off and that, it all started. But it was a real baptism by, by fire. Yeah. You come and work here. But yeah, you remember it. Yeah. Culture shock, eh? Kicks it off. But, <laughs> Definitely. Um, that's really interesting. We got Charlotte next week, though, on, um, on Sunday, though, ladies and gentlemen. So if you have some questions for her and you'd like to dig a bit deeper into some of the topics we explored uh, in the 12 questions. Hmm. Again, abroadjapanpodcast, gmail.com. Let us know what you'd like to ask her. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. 
Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. And now we turn our attention to the fax machine, and we kick off with Haley, who says, Hello, Chris and Pete. He's not here, <laughs> so I'm going to get emotional now. It's been tough without Pete. <laughs> Nah, it's been all right. <laughs> it's been better. Oh. We're in the same room oh. for once. It's nice not having to do it 8,000 miles apart. Um, hey, I'm Hayley from Leeds in the UK. I found your podcast a year ago and I binged it until I caught up. Um, and I love that you have two weeks now. Uh, every, one every, I love that you have two a week. They give me something Japan-related to look forward to. Um, as I had a, tri- a trip planned to Japan with my boyfriend in May, but this was cancelled. We're hoping to go next May if all is right with the world. This may have been answered already, but my boyfriend is a vegetarian, so when travelling, we will need to find options suitable for him. Like in the UK, do most restaurants or cafes have a vegetarian option? Would they adapt um, dishes to replace meat with vegetables or tofu? Um, I'm learning Japanese with Wani Kani and Genki, and I hope to have basic language by the time we go. How would we ask for no meat or no fish options in Japanese before seating to ensure he has an option? Many thanks, Haley. Yeah, it's a bit tough. Um, I mean, I've tried doing it for a day, so it's not, I didn't have much fun with it. And it is a little bit alien here, like, uh, to get that kind of food. What are your thoughts, Sean? Yeah, as for having a vegetarian option at restaurants like you guys do overseas, that's not really a thing here. Mm. Um, it's not really popular to be vegetarian or vegan in Japan. So, I yeah, you are going to have to look for specifically vegetarian places. The Happy Cow app is great for that. Happy Cow. Yeah, happy cow. It lists all the vegetarian and vegan restaurants in Japan, so that'll be really handy for you. There are quite a few. It won't be tough to find one. Um, but as for like the typical Japanese food you'll find at a restaurant, all of it's going to have like fish flakes or at least mm. a little bit of something that isn't vegetarian in it. So if you're really strict with your diet, then um, you're going to need to go to specifically vegetarian and vegan places. And what about how to ask for no meat options what do you think is the best way to say um, that in japanese you could say like dobutsu se no mono wa taberaremasen i can't eat um animal products right or what about um, like vegetarian vegetarian vegeta- you that's the thing japanese person won't know what that means so even if you say the japanese word for vegetarian they won't understand what that is so you have to be really descriptive and say i don't eat meat i don't eat fish don't eat cheese like you have to list the things that you don't eat so niku is meat and sakana is fish so you could say like niku wa tabenai desu sakana wa tabenai desu just to put it in really simple japanese it's tricky. It is. It is. It's a pain in the ass, which is why you should probably just use the Happy Cow app and find a specifically vegetarian restaurant. It will save you lots of trouble because you're not going to find any vegetarian options at typical Japanese restaurants anyways. It's going to be tough. Good luck, Kaylee. 
good luck. <laughs> I told her to get for a day. I think I just ate like a banana. Although yeah. I did find a vegan restaurant in um, Kunashki where we did Journey Across yeah, Japan on the day exist. I did it. It is possible. Mm. Maybe Happy Cow will help you out there. Mm. And we've got one from Alana uh, De La Vega. She says, hello, Mr. Broad and Pete. Uh, listening to the funny and odd stories that listeners mail in reminded me of one that happened to my friend and I in Kyoto last May. Uh, we were taking pictures at the Kiyomizudera Temple uh, entrance like good tourists and an older Japanese man with a nice looking camera came up to us. Uh, he asked us in awkward English if he could take a portrait of each of us. He seemed friendly but I asked him why since it was odd uh, and we didn't know him. He said I like to take pictures of women that travel here. Brilliant. Oh dear. That's, that's never never sure. <laughs> we agreed since why the hell not and uh, asked him if he could take a picture of the both of us with one of our cameras after. Just to be fair. He asked each of us to stand by the railing and smile before taking our picture. I felt like I was back in high school taking a yearbook <laughs> photo. Um, then he took a, po- a photo with our camera and bid us goodbye. He was pretty nice, but the situation felt a little bit weird and we joked that if we got kidnapped all of a sudden, at least we knew who the culprit was. Brilliant. Guy wants to take a photo, kidnapper. Uh, I'm wondering if anyone else who's travelled there had a similar experience. Did you meet this old man uh, and... Did you meet this old man and is he still taking pictures? And has a stranger taken pictures of you before? Um, thank you for the podcast. All the best. Alana De La Vega. Um, yeah, have any of you guys met a mysterious old man taking photos? Are you a girl who's been to Kyoto? Uh, has this happened to you as a guy? No. Oh, never. okay. I'm... This is so common. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's not just this random guy at Kyobiza Dera that likes taking pictures of girls. Um, it's so common in Japan. Photography is big. Uh, hobby here it's a very popular hobby well I remember Um, watching reading an article and seeing a video about mm -hmm. a very famous street photographer in Mm -hmm. Japan who would quite literally just walk past people and go and take a photo of their face not often it kicked up a bit of a storm and Mm. I think uh, he lost his job as he got Mm. lost sponsorship from a big company over it because it was a bit of a scandal but (laughs) um, I no you've had people take photos of you oh yeah plenty I, I would say over 30 times good god yeah it's quite common actually one of the best pictures of myself in Japan was taken by a random old man who really? wanted to take my picture it was here in Morioka I was participating in the local city festival um, I was wearing a yukata and dancing in a parade mm. and he just took a random photo of me and um, he came up to me afterwards and like tapped me on the shoulder and said I took this photo of you while you were dancing would you like a copy and um, that was during my um my exchange here so I wasn't living in Japan so I went back to Canada and he actually mailed the photo to Canada he printed it wow. out yeah and it's a really nice photo it's hanging in my my parents home in Canada so uh, yeah th- these aren't like creepy old guys like <laughs> that, no. that is, you know I mean street photography in many ways it was invented in Japan like there's a very big mm. culture around it um, yeah I think they just like having a nice model for their photos makes the picture more interesting than just a picture of the temple you know yeah they, they like to change it up a bit because there's only so many times you can take a photo of a temple so um, why have I never had this happen then you're not a beautiful girl I'm not a beautiful girl <laughs> oh. I'll take your photo that's, that's a sad end to this podcast <laughs> being told that I'm not a beautiful girl Girl. Keep the stories, questions, comments coming into Abroad Japan Podcast at gmail.com. As I said, Charlotte will join us again on Sunday to do it uh, in Pete's place. Yes. But he will return. The man, the myth, the legend, <laughs> rejuvenated and relaxed. Or will he? He better come back. <laughs> we will see. He better come back. We need him. We need you, Pete. But I hope he's doing well. He's probably listening to this, except he's not. I don't know what he's doing. He's <laughs> what probably, is he doing? Where probably is he? sitting in some water right now, splashing around. Yeah. I'm sure we'll find Lucky out when he gets man. back next week. But for now, guys, uh, we'll be back on Sunday. 
to it again but for now enjoy the next few days and we'll see you then have a good one goodbye and thank you Charlotte you're welcome thank you This was a Stakhanov production and part of the ACAST Creative Network.